Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Two Narrows podcast. I am your host, James Ennard, joined as always by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. My cousin, Roman, is on the deck. Say hi, Ron. Hi, Ron. Our friend, Grace, is in the audience. Say hi, Grace. Hi, Grace. And we're this is the the pinnacle or the highlight of the podcast so far. It's our one hundredth episode and we're in Cork City, Lord Mayor's chamber, and it's a huge honor for us to be here. Sure with is. Lord Mayor Colum Kelleher, friend of the podcast. How are you keeping? Very good, James. How are you keeping Timmy? How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you for having us. City Hall. No, delighted to be here. And uh you're accompanied by Mr. Dan O'Leary, Cork Life Centre. How are you Dan? Good James and Timmy. Great to have you here. Thank and, you. And, and next to Dan is Miss Katrina Toomey of Cork Penny Dinners. <laughs> it's great to have you here. Thank you. Know, well, it's great to be Thanks here. very much. This yeah. is our 100th episode, and both of you were our first guests and the first few guests. You know, it was only not even two years ago, like, but so much has happened mm-hmm. since. But we'll come to that, but we'll, out of respect, we have to start with the Lord Mayor. First of all, like, when you think about it, Colm, like, Mr. Lord Mayor, I should say. Colm is fine. Colm. <laughs> when you think about it, like, Imagine down through history, like fellas like myself, Timmy, um, you know, coming from where we come from, the backgrounds we come from, to be invited into the Lord Mayor's Chamber. I think it's a, a huge moment for me and Timmy, mm-hmm. but it's a huge moment for the city too. And just to show like that people can turn their lives around, and we live in a yeah. city where the second chance is available for people. So like you've been instrumental in that. So thanks a million for the you know, for the invitation to come here. No, not at all. Not at all. As I know, I was. Um you know, Dan and Katrina were one of your earlier guests. I was a guest myself on your show. You are. Um, and uh, I, I, I extended the invitation uh, to that. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't realise it would be a hundred episode. Mm, yeah. I'd just like to congratulate you Thank on you. that. Well done. Yeah. Um, and, uh, no, I think it's only fitting. Like, you look, this is obviously the Lord Mayor's Chamber and it's the, you know, the centre of civic uh, authority in the city. Um, but it's affectionately known in City Hall as the people's sitting room. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the people of Cork City and uh, are equal in all walks of life. So. And we got a great tour of it as well. Yeah, you gave yeah, us a free yeah. tour there earlier on, and uh, the history in here is absolutely phenomenal. It's mm. it's amazing, like this to see to see the history of this city and the 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 real strength of the people from the beginning back in the the early days when we had Thomas McCartan who's on the wall here and Terence McSweeney on the wall here. Mm. You know, two two real uh, Lord unbelievable. You know, and and, and so are the people in this room today. 
Yeah. See, like the, the, the people's sitting room or the Lord Mayor's chamber is obviously the symbol of local authority in the city. Um, but you've touched on it there. It's where every Lord Mayor, myself included, are living in the shadow, and rightly so, of our two martyred Lord Mayors, yeah. Tomas McCurtain, who was brutally murdered in front of his children on his 36th birthday, and Terence Maxweeney, who died after 74 days in hunger strike in Brixton Prison. Two Norries, two, weren't there? Two Norries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's important well, to know what that well, like. Well, well, we well, have well, to get well, that in. Well, well, to be fair, uh, you know, I suppose you're going to be small but disappointed now because uh, McSweeney was born on the south side of North Main Street and you could consider McCurtain an Ari because he was born originally in Morn Abbey but two man boys two man boys yeah like yourself like yourself but um a lot of people in public uh, life and organisations and politics and stuff like that they expose no equality and all this but like you walk the walk column, you know what I mean? And you yeah. like you, you, you don't just say, Oh, I believe in equal opportunities, I believe in people's capacity to change. We hear that all the time, but the actions then might be different. So like um you know to be invited here, I was even pinch yourself coming in, you know. And yeah. I just I was thinking to myself there, you know, the, there's lots of uh, history around here. And I, I was walking through the corridor and I see um Mick Finn, he was my manager, and Tony Fitzgerald is a neighbour, and you know, I see Daniel Leary's brother was out there and me all Martin's brother and all these people, but um you know, it's, it's it's tremendous honor for us to be here, but um, I suppose the, what makes that happen then as well is your own experience in your own family. Mm. You know, having and having your own dif- difficulties with with, mm. with addiction and stuff like that, and your understanding, and that's what it gives you when when you can see it at the forefront of whereas when it's happening in your own circle you get a great understanding and with, with that then comes wisdom as well and and you can have that empathy for for anybody you know you, we were in here earlier on and we we were listening to the, the lad in the bridge below you know homelessness is a massive thing we'll get to that in a, in a mm-hmm. bit it's a massive thing within our city and uh, and and all over the country but you have a great understanding around these issues and even to give myself and James the opportunity to not just Give you, have you share your story below with us and, and tell us in depth how, how, how having somebody within your own family, um, how it affects the family members with addiction and stuff like, but to continue then and give us this opportunity to be in here like this. Oh, look, it's, 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 it's only fitting. As I said, we, we affectionately call it the people's sitting room. Yeah. Everyone is equal from all walks of life, you know. Don't judge a man until you walk a day in his shoes. Mm. Um, I suppose to, for, for <clears throat> your listeners, you referenced that we were listening to the, your man in the bridge. Mm-hmm. Your man in the bridge. It's a fine sunny evening here inside in the city. And uh, every evening um, there's a, a, a busker and he's there with his fat oak star on his tin whistle and he's playing tunes. And the, the music bounces off the water, bounces off the buildings and comes into the Lord Mayor's office. Mm-hmm. And most evenings, if I'm working late here, I'll have the windows open on a sunny evening and it's, I can hear him lamenting the city, which is something when I leave office, that is a memory that will really resonate in my head. Yeah. But no, like to have, you know, you here is, an, is a massive honour for me. Okay. Uh, it's a massive honour for us as the city. On behalf of the city, I'd like to welcome you here. On behalf of the elected members of Cork City Council, um, I'd like to me- welcome you here. Um, as I said, it's the people's sitting room. Everyone has a right to come in here. We've had kings, queens, ambassadors, presidents um, sit in this very chair where I'm sitting. This is the Lord Mayor's chair, but the, the furniture here dates from 1935. 
Um, I was talking to uh, James before we uh, started the podcast and we were giving him the tour and you may not be able to see it now, but there's a, a false door to my right. Mm-hmm. And during the presidential visit of 1963, when President John F. Kennedy visited Cork, mm-hmm. um, he was given the freedom of the city by uh, former Lord Mayor uh, Casey. And uh, after the ceremony in the hall and the pomp and ceremony in the whole lot, they came up here to this office. So the president actually sat in the chair where I sit right now. And um, the Secret Service were in here and there was a big crowd and all the kerfuffle. And that false door, which is wasn't a false door in 1963, was actually uh, the door to the bathroom. And uh, at one stage, with, with all the madness that was going on, the Secret Service turned around and there was no sign of the president. So there was a big... You know, obviously, yeah. where, where's where's the president? Um, and all, and the story goes is the toilet flushed and the president walked out the door. So we the, that side of the office is referred to as uh, the Kennedy Corner. And I said to James uh, before we came on the podcast, was that's where the, the president went to the bathroom, and he said you can call it Jack's Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that'll stick yeah. somehow. Yeah. But um, what what's it like? Being the Lord Mayor, like you're, you have a few about ten weeks left in your about ten weeks left, approximately give or take nine and a half. Yeah. What, what was it like? What's it like being the Lord Mayor? Surreal, an absolute honour and privilege. Something that I'll take to the grave with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to um, acknowledge this evening uh, the sad passing of um, Taddy O'Sullivan's wife, the father Lady Maress. Mrs O'Sullivan passed away. Yeah. Um, so that just I feel that's needs to be acknowledged as former Lady Maress of the city. Um, yeah. And we wish the O'Sullivan family, mm. you know, our best on behalf of Cork City Council and the people of the city. Taddy O'Sullivan was a, a, a brilliant Lord Mayor, in yeah. my own opinion. Mm. Different politics to me, mm. but he was he was a powerhouse, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um, and you know, so sad to go so soon after Taddy went himself. But um, what and the reason uh, I suppose that sprung to mind is what what's it like to be Lord Mayor? I attended the funeral of former Lord Mayor O'Sullivan, Taddy O'Sullivan's funeral. Um, obviously during COVID and stuff like that, it wasn't the same as previous Lord Mayor's funerals mm. um, because normally when a Lord Mayor passes away, um, there's one good thing about it, the city pays for a funeral, so the family don't have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I won't get to see it. Um, but uh, the Lord Mayor of the day would march behind the coffin and the elected members of Cork City Council mm. would march in robes behind the coffin. So I marched in the robe and the chain behind uh, Taddy's um, uh, hearse um, and I spoke with members of his family and Toddy, Toddy went on to national politics. Yeah. Toddy, Toddy was a junior minister and they said he spoke fond, the most, his fondest memory in politics was when he was Lord Mayor. Mm. So he went beyond this office to Dublin, he went national. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, no matter what I may achieve, if I'm never again le- elected to office, I can always turn yeah. around to my kids and my family and say, look, I, I've been Lord Mayor of Cork. We spoke to Taoiseach Michal Martin on the podcast, as mm. you know. He said best year of his life was when he was the Lord Mayor. Yeah. And, and everything he's went on to achieve, but best year of his life. Because, like, it's great, like, being, we're Irish, you know what I mean? But by the grace of God, we're from Cork, isn't that right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said there's something else to do with it. <laughs> I know, yeah. But uh, I want to come to you, Dan. Dan, you were, a, you were into politics back in the day, you know, you'd be still political, like, but you were a councillor here. I was. Did you get some memories walking around? Um, not really. Uh, I, well, yeah, was it like I back in the day? Well, I suppose I, I, I just said a while ago that um, I, I'd been in this office on a, on a number of occasions, some of them as a councillor, but um, during the hunger strikes, I kind of remember we coming in and taking the office over. So I suppose there's been a... I've been I've been in this office, but it's, it's full of history, you know. Um, I suppose for me, I, it's kind of mixed emotions, really, because I I think 
you know, in the past when Taddy was, was Lord Mayor and when others before that were Lord Mayor, the, the council could do more. Um, I won't talk about homelessness in a minute, but I think if the councils were still building houses, we'd have houses built. Mm. Um, and I think, that, I think Colin would probably agree with that, you know. And people fail to see that disappearing uh, until it is. And there's lots of things like the refuse collection, house building, all gone, you know. And if you, you know, people talk about the building that was done in the 1780s, that emanated from here. You know, and I, I, I look at the, the, the two men and the third guy over here, um, you know, you had the three log mayors of that period that were, you know, always talked about. I, I, I think they'd be uh, kind of delighted to see how how respectful people are still to the office of the Lord Mayor. Mm -hmm. And I do think it, it's great to see the Lord Mayor going around to the schools in particular. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think the Lord Mayors that I talked to, that would have been a highlight for them mm -hmm. to go into schools yeah. and to, you know, to mix with kids. There's very few. There's, there's no other place in the country I think uh, actually does that. It's, a, it's only Cork. Is that it like that? Was no, 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 no. It started, it started by uh, McSweeney. Yeah, it was. And, and it's, it's a that, brilliant tradition. It is, and I think I think uh, it, it is uh, giving young kids a, a chance to see. I, I say, Cullum and every Lord Mayor when we to put that chain on, the kids see it like, mm. you know, no matter where they are. How much is that work? How, how much does it weigh? Yeah. And it's just, but, but it's done in a joyous way, you know, because it is. It is. I mean, there's a there's a sense, you know. I mean, you see the two men and Andy esteem their helmet right across, not just here, but across the world. That's right. Terence uh, McSween, he's like mm -hmm. that was global news, like at the time, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for for both men, it was global news, and then that's their chain. And every Lord Mayor, I think that's a great thing for the Lord Mayor to be able to say afterwards. You know, yeah. I sat, I sat, I, yeah, you sat where Lord Mayor was at, but wearing that chain, and how important it is to the people of Cork. That's hard to beat, yes. and I, I can see that. You know. Yeah. Did you ever fancy politics yourself, Katrina? No, never. <laughs> I, I was asked a few times, but it wouldn't be for you me would because. Do oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's 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 not that I I don't have an interest. You know, I obviously watch uh, yeah. and listen to a lot that's going on, and I, I like to see change. You know, and I like to see people that are in politics, politicians trying to make that change and I do believe if there was more of them trying to make that change that it, it would work it's great like the column is Lord Mayor now, uh, you know at his age it's great to see somebody that has that on his yeah. side as well because it's your birthday recently wasn't it it was yeah so happy, happy birthday and I've, I've seen a lot of Lord Mayors um, I won't say how many but quite a lot but he brings a different kind of yeah. feel, feel. Yeah. To, to Lord Mayor, mm. he's so approachable yeah, and agree. so nice, and he has a genuine interest in what kind of everybody exactly, is yeah. doing. He seems to know about everything. Mm. God, I, 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 I wanted to see up all night <laughs> reading mm. up on everything because yeah. he does. He's a, 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 a font of information, but and again, he's trying to make change here, yeah, yeah. and the Lord Mayor. You know, can instigate change. He he can start to talk about it, but he needs the help of all of us to come together mm, for to get exactly. that through as well. Yeah. So this is where we should all back each other. Mm. And I I know recently and probably, you know, coming in quickly. You know, the Lord Mayor has called for an injection centre here sure. yep. in, in the yeah. city. And you know, while we all agree with what each other have to say, we need the wraparound services as well. Exactly. But this is where well, the Lord that, Mayor this, has started it yeah, and yeah. needs the help. This 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 could be the beginning beginning of some form of group 
you maybe get something like that off the ground as well. Yeah. You know, where you're not on your own, where you've yeah. people that are on the same level as you here who would like to see the exact same thing. And in numbers, yeah. there's strength. You know what I mean? So I, exactly. I, I definitely I do agree with Katrina. I agree with exactly. you, and I, I do think though on, on, on the, um, the injection room and, and the t- clean needles and, and like, they're essential. Mm. <coughs> the Lord Mayor's about party politics. And in fairness, that's always been the way. So, so like someone like Colm coming out and saying that it's in the interest of the city, and I think it's in the interest of the young people of the mm. city as well. I think that's that's really good, and it should be acknowledged. Some people have left that go and not not commented on it, but but I think it's a it's a really good thing that we have the Lord Mayor of the city saying this and meaning this, mm-hmm. and someone that's approachable. Because I think the other thing about Colm is, and no matter where you see him. Yeah, uh, you can approach him. He's not standoffish. He's not going to look for the boat first. Um, he spent long enough trying to get him out. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think, I think in fairness, I, I think like something like that, that's what I mean by change. Um, exactly. And I think and, they can still do that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know, do you know for people that haven't, didn't hear you on the radio, can you just reiterate what you, what you did say the other day about the, the, the open injection centres and, and the importance of it to the city and what it would do for people that are addicted to drugs. And just to clarify as well, a lot of people that are addicted to drugs, like it's, 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 it's never something that they do wake up one morning and say that they want to, it's, it's like they're, they're using drugs and alcohol to, to be able to get through the day. Coping mechanism. Yes. Coping mechanism. You hit the nail on the head there, James. Um, look, I, I, I've been, on national radio to mm-hmm. local radio stations. I've been in the echo in relation to my viewpoint and my standpoint on a supervised injection facility, or as they're commonly known around the world, SIPs. Um, do you have these facilities in the likes of Australia and Europe and the Netherlands and in Denmark, um, San Francisco, in Canada? Um, you know, there is massive benefits um, across a broad range of society from these centres. Now, I would agree 100% with Katrina's standpoint. A supervised injection facility isn't going to solve our drug uh, problem or heroin problem in the city overnight. It won't solve the the heroin problem on its own. It's a large part, part, in my opinion, of a jigsaw. But you need all the other services to go with it. The wraparound services, Mm -hmm. the treatment centres, the uh, counsellors, you know, all the coping mechanisms, mental health services, uh, sexual education services, all of them need to be tied into one. And I do know that you're all familiar with David Lane here in the city, the HSC, and David is a champion of this cause as well. Um, And in fairness, like any time I pick up the phone, David's always at the end of the phone. He's a font of knowledge himself. Um, And, you know, he's singing from the same same hymn sheet, the executive here in Cork City Council are singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, I'm also chairman of the Cork Joint Policing Committee um, and at a recent uh, JPC we discussed this and you, you are correct Don, the, the Lord Mayor is apolitical, it's above all politics and that's a necessity for any Lord Mayor and I hope to only live up to that but at the JPC we got cross-party support, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, Labour, all of them, the Greens. Um, to lobby the government for the money. So I've written for the minister looking for the funding. And that's and that's what's stopping this from going ahead. 
Well, look, the, the, the funding is, is going to be a key issue in it. It's estimated between 1.25 to 1.5 million per annum to run it. Um, the HSC will have to identify uh, a facility in the city. Um, we, I, my personal belief is that it should be on a medical campus. Um, I know, you know, in the media in the recent days, you have a lot of people in local radio stations saying, not in my backyard. Um, and you can understand that, you know, yeah. um, and you, you can't blame people for that. But um, the other side of the coin is like the main thing, or the main ethos behind a SIF or supervised injection facility is to save lives. Yeah, exactly. And these yeah. are people that are down mm-hmm. and out and, you know... <laughs> and, and can't make decisions, which is the important thing. Yeah, a lot decisions. of people think exactly. that they can and they mm, say no. they must need to, you know, have to have the want Completely. for to change, I'm, but I'm they're mean, incapable of making the decisions. Yeah. I, I think for us, like, is it's involved in trauma. I mean, I think to me, yeah. said there, no one gets up in the morning and says, I'm going to try drugs. There's a trauma behind this thing and people start to it to, to self-medicate, to make themselves feel better about themselves and their lives. I think with SIPs though, it, it not alone will be of benefit to the, the, the person that's going through that and keeping them safe, but it keeps the city safe because you then don't have needles around the place right. where people can go and do it properly. You don't have bits that with a clean needle shouldn't happen, mm. but they are because they're not available. And I think all around there's yeah. a benefit to the city. And I think Colm, you kind of expressed that. I know the lands have been like this. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said the health campus because there's loads of space over the mm-hmm. Bell's Hospital. It's right next to Arbor House where many people in addiction go in here yeah. for the methadone and stuff like that. So it would make sense that it would probably be located there. Mm. But I, if I just want to touch because both of Katrina and Dan, he would be affected by uh, street drug use in different ways. Mm-hmm. You work with people that use drugs, and mm-hmm. Dan, you work in a, you, you're director of the Cork Life Centre, was a school education centre where needles are found at the entrance. And one of the big, like one of the big controversies around street drug use is its proximity to schools. So, like I suppose I come to you first, Dan. How do you think that a supervised injection facility in Cork would help your cause in the school? Well, I think there's, there, there's the human side of this, right, where, where you're going to save people's lives. I think that's to me, is the big one, right? And it's been proved. I mean, the research is there. Yeah. That's it, these safe lives. Yeah. And the other thing then is that you never have a fear, if you're going to have that, the, the fear of having, I mean, we, we, there's a number of schools have come in and said lately and over the last couple of years that they found needles in the grounds in the morning. No. That'll disappear, particularly if, if it's no judgment and these SIPs are no judgment and there has to be that. People will use it if they believe they're, they're it's setting out to do what they do. It's not judging them. It's not, it's not really coming around to identify them so that they're going to be charged. And I think it's going to make a huge difference. The other thing, while I have young people, I've had young people in the past that would be, would, would, would take those steps. I think, you know, we should remember in Cork that we missed the first wave of, of, of heroin injections That's right. because it was in Dublin. And, and, and what people don't hear so in Dublin was people dying on the streets. Now, we'll get to that very quickly. We have it happening already, but we'll get to a lot more the way things are going with heroin. You're right. It won't stop heroin. It won't stop people using heroin. What it will do is it'll make it safer, but it will also give people an opportunity to build the other services around it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we're talking, and, and, and I'd say 90, 90, I'm not sure what the, the things are, but I'd say they're well into the 90s, 90% of all young people, or young men are on, and young women 
are, are, on, uh, are, are, are injecting. And, and the most of that is our own trauma and it's our own early childhood experiences and, and this. No, we, we, we talk a lot about trauma. It's, it's like a lot of other things, but we do very little. You can, if you talk about it, it doesn't change anything. You, you need to talk about it, raise awareness, but then we need the services to act. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, the services are, are, are not acting in, in a coherent manner to, to stop this. And I think, you know, I think if Colin and, and, and the lads, if you, you, I mean, look, this is the 100 podcast, right? And I think one of the things that's come across in all of this, right, is that people can come back. Yeah. They can if they're alive. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, That's they the can if they're alive. Like, exactly. and, and James, Once I know you're, you're, you've talked about it. By your overdose, over by your yeah. symptom. And it's still here. Right, and who's to say, right, there's not somebody that low overdose now and they get themselves right, into treatment and then they're in the Lord Mayor's chamber eight years later. That's how things turn around. But when somebody dies, the person, that person in addiction dies, but all the potential goes with them. And Katrina... You've come across tragedy a lot a lot because of, of the nature of your work. And yeah. How and do you think it could even, help your service users? Well, I think if we put a whole package together, that it'll work. We're missing the whole package mm. and the Lord Mayor agrees on this as well. We all agree on it and I know you guys agree on it as yeah. well. And, and we need to do that. I have people that come to Penny Dinners and they'd stand at the door and they're either looking for drugs or they've taken drugs. And then there's, you know, Katrina, what'll I do? I don't know what, you know, and yeah, they're standing there and they're asking me what can they do. But I have very little information to give them and I have very little to tell them that they can do. Do you know, it's all very fine saying, well, give up the drugs or give up the drink. That doesn't work. They're incapable of helping themselves. And then there's no place for me to say, well, you can go here or you can go there. We have recovery meetings and penny dinners and Timmy and James, you know how successful they are. Yeah. And it's just brilliant. And and the lads that go there and the lads that roll it out, you know, there's something within the whole lot of them and they want to attract more in and that's what they do and they help people. But when I have somebody standing outside the door, it could be you know, a woman, it could be you know, a young girl, it could be a man, it could be a young boy. But where am I going to go tonight, Katrina? What am I supposed to do? I don't have the answer. And I, as a, a human being listening to this, feel very upset and sad like that we don't have those answers in place. So we need to put, you know, your idea yeah. a while ago about coming together and putting a package in place, yeah. right, that will work yeah. and enforcing that like and making it work more. And we've seen people that have come back and we've seen them being through the mill and going through the mill again and coming back again. And we've seen them then staying clean for a very long time and kind of reaching a place where they want to be. Mm. And they've, they're able to make choices and they get there. And when we see that, you know, for us, it's absolutely brilliant that we've played even the tiniest part. Yeah. You know, like somebody somebody came recently and said, I'm 12 months clean, Katrina. Yeah. And uh, I said, brilliant. And uh, he, he was so excited to tell me, you know, and I was there and I was saying, and how are you feeling? He was saying, grand, grand. He said, but I have something to tell you. I said, what's this? He, you were a bitch. <laughs> but I worked and he used another word as well <laughs> and he said to see but I worked he said I needed that and, and yeah. sometimes you need that you know mm-hmm. and just to tell yeah. him you know to say it straight out like and you don't need a yes man around you when your back you know, is Timmy, against the wall like. I know no. Timmy is going to come in there but Timmy but, just before you yeah. come in I think, I think we also have to look at how we how we deal with uh, mental health Um, I, you know yeah. this idea that 
someone with dual diagnosis can't be treated is absolutely crazy. Because if we don't treat, and if we don't work with, it's like the chicken and the egg, which came first. I mean, some are a mental health problem where the trauma is causing that. The drugs are medicating that. And, and to take that away, you could be leading. So I think our services have to be, there has to be a service put in place that will deal with people that are due diagnosis. If you don't, then you, you are going to see more people dead. And yeah, some people might be able to find the strength to come off the drugs to go into the treatment. But that is a difficult road to tra- follow because you know, coming off the drugs doesn't you, doesn't take away the trauma that was there in the first mm. place. And I think it needs to be a bit by bit. And I think, you know, we, we should be offering. And it starts with, like, it, it doesn't just happen to someone being 25 years of age and suddenly they're, I don't even like, they're in addiction. Mm. That has started from the time they were kids, yeah. in most mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. And they've medicated, medicated, medicated. And as everybody that, that I've ever known to, to take drugs will know, you know, you use some things first, that loses that loses impact after a while. And that is why you have people trying higher and higher. And that's why you know you have people in jail. And it's massive trauma they're dealing with. And maybe, if I could just say, maybe this Mm. is a chance for all of us, you know, as Lord Mayor, but as as a brother, Cullum, Mm. like to say that maybe it's about time there's enough strong characters here Mm. in the city. And if we all came together and threw the book at it. Yeah. Maybe we could do something. Yeah. We need to be able to do that, pick up that book, fire it at it, and hit it with whatever it needs to be hit. Mm. It does. Yeah. It does, it does. Yeah. And I, I think we could do it. I was firstly going to say something to yourself there around um, around what you do over in Penny Dinners. You know, you spoke there earlier about sometimes you can't help people. And and, and I know this f- f- from, because f- I know you quite well, I, I know this because sometimes... You can't help people and a week later you might hear something happen to that person. How does somebody deal with something like that? Because that must be one of the most difficult things like you know, to have somebody in and particularly because you deal with a lot of people who are homeless, who have mental health issues, who are are suffering massively and they don't even understand what's going on from how how does one did do, do you get do, do you get your own form of counselling uh, or help help with all this kind of stuff? I think uh, between us inside and Penny Dunas, we kind of look Talk. after each other. It's like we have kind of a self care kind of thing inside. Mm. But if somebody comes and asks me something, if I can't do it, mm. I have to tell them the truth yeah. that I can't do it, and I tell them I'm sorry. And I was saying I wish I could, but I'll keep trying to mm. try and change things for you to see. And then if I hear something, you know, it it would hit you here. Because, you know, I'm on one part of it, like I'm saying to them, you know, I'm telling them the truth that there's nothing there for them. There's nothing I can do. Uh, and I can't take them by the hand and fix them and stuff. It's just, I'm just not capable or able for to do that. And so, but when, when I hear something, I know that I would have tried in some way oh, yeah. to try and yeah. get them to hang on. And, yeah. you know, like yeah. recently we had, there was a guy, Jumped into, you know, going into the water and somebody caught him and they pulled him out. And we know him. He comes to Penny Dinners every day. And he's always very polite to me. And he's not Irish. But on this particular day, he was probably too drunk to realize what he was doing. And, but he, they got him out anyway. And the fire brigade, the guards, the whole place was surrounded. And he went up and walked across the bridge by the Mercy, you know, the red bridge there. And then he was coming down the other side and he decided he'd jump in from 
across the water. So we were all on this side. He had run across and was down by McDonald's panes. So he stood in the wall inside the, the barrier, the rail, and everybody was looking and they were, oh God. And I just wrote his name across at him and I shouted, it's Katrina. You know, I said, don't do it, it's Katrina. And he's, I knew what he'd say, like, and he did say it. He said, sorry, Katrina. And he got down because he's too polite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I knew I had to take yeah. a gamble on that, like at the at the minute, like, and I see one of the firemen looking at me, like when I shouted across, mm. and he said, "Jesus, he got down, you know." But it shows the nature of him; he didn't mind to let you down. He didn't, like, yeah, and That's like respect as yeah. well. And yeah. I get that, you know, as well from That's an awful lot of people, yeah. and it helps even when we were in the Ukraine. There, like, oh, we're so glad you're back. We were praying mm-hmm. for you. I lit a candle for you, and to hear all that, like mm-hmm. as well, that it's not just one way, you know, that it's. It works both ways. People respect us and they they talk to us and they tell us that, you know, they're my dogs. I saw your daughter in town and, Mm -hmm. oh, your new grandson is gorgeous and things like that. And and that's wonderful. And all they want to do is talk to you, really. That's all. And And we get some that will come. That's it, yeah. Like somebody asked me this morning, how do I deal with people like that would come and they're, you know, cranky, like and they're having a bad day and they want to just mow off at someone. And I say, I'm letting the secret out. And I say, I go straight for the juggler. I say, not today. Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. You wouldn't <laughs> believe what's wrong at home. Oh, my God, I swear. And I'd come in here and I should be at home and I should be doing this. And I'm not well. I'm sick. You know, I have diabetes. My blood sugars are all over the place. And then, all right, Katrina. All right. And it stops, like. But it's just that I have no other way of saying to them, like, I can't do anything yeah. for you, but I'll try and get you out of the frame exactly. of mind we were, by thinking of me, you know. I took a couple of kids to Dublin the week before last time we were going around. We were supposed to do an interview and never showed the guy got COVID and it was cancelled last minute. But we're walking around Dublin and I have a habit now of, of just anyone that's homeless looking, sitting on, if I've, whatever is my, I'll give it. But what I do is I'll stand and I'll talk. Because one of the things I learned from, if you do that, is what you get back out of it. That's what, you know, human contact, they're sitting on a bridge, there could be thousands passing, there's no contact. And I think, you know, people say, what can I do? There's something you can do. Chat to someone. Don't don't act as judge and jury. I mean, if if I give someone money and I say, don't buy drink. I mean, I don't know what that person is going to go through. They're drinking for some reason. Could be that they're afraid of being homeless at night, as you know, and they need to be out of it to be able to do what they're doing. The, the other thing I would say is that you journey with people um, and the journey can be as long as they're with you. Sometimes that journey doesn't lead to good places. And I think you just journey. And that, that, that's what you do. And I think that's what Katrina does. We, we journey with people. I'm journeying with kids. Um, Katrina's journey is journeying probably with some of the same kids as yeah, they get older. That's right. And I think yeah. that's usually, it's usually important. And you know, there's nothing yeah. better than Katrina would know this than someone coming back. I have no one better from above. Mm. I have one kid that's, I'm not a kid anymore now, he's a grown man. And he'd be out of it. And he still pop up and he'd say hello. And I sit him down on the bench and we'll sit and we'll chat. Mm. And I wouldn't turn him away. No, no. Uh, because I, I know the lot and I'm not afraid. And why would you be afraid of someone you know so well? Exactly. Same as Katrina. <laughs> and I've seen Katrina do that over, which is yeah. brilliant. But sometimes you have to have strong boundaries as well. Yes. Like, well, you do. Yeah. And you have to see if they're interfering with the kids or what they're running above. No. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Can, well, yeah, sorry, well, James. I was, you know, I was going to bring back the column there and yeah. just let, maybe hit, hit off a little bit of politics around your own kind of views, your own politics in, in some of the issues we're talking about here, particularly around mental health. Um, and it's my view, as I was going to say to Don a while ago, that maybe something should be introduced within schools at a young age. Kids should be able to deal, there, there should be classes for kids to to be taught to how to deal with their emotions and their thinking mind, you know, um, and meditation should be introduced as well for them to get a bit <coughs> regulated and yeah. to understand different things. And by introducing something like this, right, at a young age within our schools for kids that are, are, are developing, <coughs> it's my belief, right, and it's actual factual, okay, that... In 20 years' time, we will be looking at a drop in drug addiction and crime and all homelessness if we can... Like, these kids might be going through all sorts of harm, but if they're going into schools and the teachers are in there and they're trauma-informed and, and they're, they, they know yeah. what they're doing, we can change things, <coughs> you know. Um, but we have a massive crisis with homelessness in, in this country and everything else. What would be some of the main things that if you would, if you were... Taoiseach in the morning. No, no, no. If you have views today, why not? If we need people with these kind of views in power as well, if, if you know, who, who could really, really start making some of these. We need people that, that aren't afraid. I yeah. think, I think, yeah, 100% Katrina, you need people that aren't afraid. And you've hit the nail on the head there, Timmy. Um, it needs, as I said there, the book needs to be re rewritten. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, f across the board um, if we started a programme such as that within our education system within the curricular system, system uh, in Bun School or primary school um, and it led on to, you know, to CSPE or I don't know what they teach now in secondary school CSPE in my day but um, mm. uh, you know and, 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 and tie all that in together inform people on you know mental health inform people of the process of compassion of love to one another mm. and stuff like that um, but if I was Taoiseach in the morning I would definitely look at uh, our education system from you know the, the, the junior cycle to mid cycle and the senior cycle to how we can inform people like that and I really do agree with you 100% to me you in about 20 years time mm. you would see a massive difference yeah. it's all about education mm. you know and unfortunately the majority of poor souls around the world not only in our city that fall into addiction and alcoholism and to substance abuse and to you know gambling addiction or anything like that nine times you know, not nine times out of ten but the majority of the time they haven't finished second level education yeah. yeah you know um and had they and i'm not give by one stretch of the imagination you know uh you know throwing you know crap all over our education system mm. we've one of the finest education systems in northern europe mm. yeah. um but it's just it, missing that it's just fact. missing it needs, that it needs to evolve mm. as, you know? as like when i think about myself and timmy and other people that katrina and dan would work with now like um when we use drugs, it's not that we were bad people. And we all agree here, right? But just the lack of coping skills. Like I'm feeling this inner, inner turmoil or this uh, inner pain and conflict, insecurity and all these things. And I, I use drugs to help me cope with that. Like, But when we developed the, the, the proper coping skills, we don't need the drugs. But we, we have to go through a whole lot of stuff <coughs> to get them coping skills. But them coping skills can be taught to people at a very early age but, as well. But you know? James, like if you think about it, like what age you know? 36. 36, you're the same age as me. Yeah. 41. You're 41. <laughs> yeah. 
he's 41 and 36 I'm 36 but I remember going to school like we were taught and I'm sure in you, not to cast any aspersions on you know, but you, you were in school long you finished school long before I did um, but, the same stuff that you know, going but the way we were taught in school our religion class there was no coping mechanism it was from an archaic system and I think we're a product of our education yeah. um, and here we are 20 years after in my case 20 odd years after my education and I can still remember what coping skills I was given in school and it was from a religious background and you know you know divorce is bad and you know this is bad and that's bad and homosexuality is bad that was drilled into us as kids yeah. so like that system is obviously broken and thank God we've got away from it and I, I, I had the honour of uh, having a couple of years up with Dan and, and the young people up there and um, something that you do well down up there. You have the academic side of it, but it's also the psychological and the social development of the young person, you know, and it's, it's vital, yeah. isn't it? It is. And, and you see, I I worry, right, because when, when, when schools hear about trauma-informed, they send the teacher to be trauma-informed. It's the whole school has to be trauma-informed. You can't do it by one person. And the other thing I would say very quickly is... Guidance counsellors are guidance counsellors. They take it to tell you what, they, what, what you're going to lead to. You need counselling and therapy within schools. You're dealing with kids that already have trauma. They're not waiting to get it. They have it. Mm. No, that can be from lots of reasons, right? Culturally, though, if you think about a culture, it's not even school culture. Irish men have two emotions. Yeah. They're either angry or they're delirious. And they're delirious when they're drunk. And, and like, this is what we're dealing with. And we're, t- we're in a culture, we're saying to people is, you have to be strong, you can't cry. And that's a lot that's of crap. Nice. How do you show people you're sad? And I think our kids pick up on that very quickly. Now, we're not great, the adults, like we must remember, because I hear all the time from adults, well, they're different now to what them. They are. Because when I was growing up, the, the worst thing you could do was to go and get drunk. But you could get to drink inside and a pub that would serve underage. I'd say, you know this as well. <laughs> and the only place I ever spent drugs is the pub is around the corner over there. You'd go in and you would hit the corner and they'd be smoking dope. We have changed. Now, it isn't the kids. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com that brought the drugs in right i laugh at this at times it isn't and it isn't even the kid in or the whoever you want there is someone had the money to bring that in and they're not caught, 
I don't know where they are, but they're not caught and they've, they've reaped a benefit by people's misery. I, I think we do have to understand that every family culture is different. It is not the same. Every family is not the same. Mm. There are issues, and the only way you can deal with it is on a one-to-one basis. And and I, I you know, while I agree with Timmy on meditation, it's a good thing to teach yoga. We tried yoga both, uh, and it worked. And believe it or believe it not, the boys were quicker into it than the girls. And I think anything that will help someone, and particularly when they're already stigmatized, because they are. In, in this country, I think we're too quick to label mm. addict, mm. autism, ADHD, uh, disadvantage. Yeah. They're kids. They're kids. You love the kids. You see the issue here. You work on the issue, but you love the kids. I think most kids want to be told they're loved. Yeah. And if you don't tell them that, they will look for elsewhere. Yeah, and I, I we went to uh, Liverpool. We were invited over to Liverpool, and we went to the Lord Mayor came out to meet us and everything. And we weren't expecting the welcome that we got there, you know. But we we were down outside uh, Goodison Park, um, where the Everton yeah. team are, and they have food banks over there, and they collected all the matches. And the players bring stuff, the management brings stuff, everybody. But they have a fantastic. They have a row of buildings where there's all different things going on. And when they leave Goodison Park now to go to their new grounds, they're leaving that to the people of Liverpool for more services, for to help everybody because they firmly believe in it and they put that mess- message out there. But they have a thing and it says, hunger doesn't wear club colours. Yeah. But for everything that's going on in the city, nothing should have club colours. We are one at the end of the day and we're only passing through. We're only going from A to a Z. Exactly. And that time could skip out for any of us at CDRE and the amount of suicides that we have in our country and in our city they're so sad like no, you know for, for the families that suffer because of it, it they're they're tragic but they can be preventable as well yeah. because we we have to look and give powers to the authorities like for example the Gardaí to be able to stop some stuff that's going on, give them more powers, they need it. And there's no point in saying, you know, like you hear the guards always saying, it's okay, we arrest somebody and then he's left walk and stuff like that. All systems that we have going while they're coping and they're doing the best job and the best of their to their ability, we need to start changing yeah, some stuff fairly lively yeah, for to, to bring it up to scratch and for to make it doable the, and workable. The, you, you can hit the nail on the head there and I think we need national legislation on uh, possession of small substances, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I've spoken about this with, with yourselves. Yeah. I've spoken about it recently. Decriminalisation. De- decriminalisation to a certain extent. Yeah. I'm not yeah. speaking of, you know, decriminalising the, 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 the drug cartels. We're not legalising anything. I'm not legalising yeah. anything. No. But if you That's have... an important clarification. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're not legalising anything oh. um, at all. And I, But you need to decriminalise it because I came in here yesterday morning and it... Um, had a series of meetings yesterday morning and uh, a few radio interviews about this if about the supervised injection facility and as god is my witness i was drinking a cup of tea looking out the window and at half seven in the morning there was a poor soul injecting on the mm. bridge the bridge over where we heard the beautiful music this evening yeah. but there was a poor soul there at half seven this morning and had the guards stumble across him the current legislation there would have been at the moment if he was found in possession he depended on the quantity that he had to you know stave off the sickness for the day 
he would be arrested. He would probably be brought to the Bridewell or Anglesey Street, yeah. then brought before summons, the court, yeah. summons, and then done with uh, intent uh, or, or, or uh, possession. And, you know, depending on the quantity, it can be done with uh, intent with possession to supply. Yeah. And then it's been treated as a criminal uh, problem, but it's not a criminal problem. But, Colm, I mean, look, I, I, I agree with you. I fully agree with you. But we, we, we were supposed to this year have a citizens' assembly on drugs. And yeah. we were supposed to have a citizens' assembly on education. The drugs one is gone. Now, like, what, what, what we're all saying here, I think we're all talking, that trauma is the thing that normally takes kids into drugs, right? They're not setting out to harm people. And so, but, but look what we're doing. Kids are traumatized. We're trying to get them on a track. They get a, they, they, they get a conviction for, 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 for possession. They're, they can't stop that. Their, their need is too much from the trauma. They get another one, and they ain't getting work. Yeah. So what you're after doing now, in one fell swoop, you recognize that that there's an illness there that you're not seeing, but you know it's there. But you know what? We can't deal with that. So what we are going to do is we're going to penalize you, mm. and 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 that's removing hope from people that have. No hope. But Don, imagine, imagine if if the guard came across to oh, yeah, that, that that poor soul, and we had legislation in place and said, "Listen, I'm not going to take you to the bride. Well, I'm not taking you to Angus Street. I'm taking you out to uh, the health services, and you're going to be treated." Yeah. yeah. And you know, forget the courts. What were you caught with? Tiny new new possession to keep yourself unsick for the day. Yeah. You bring him out to a medical and facility, and here's what's before you. You know, you can mm. go to a methadone program. You can come. You can try to come off it. There's treatment centres here. There's counsellors. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's That's there's accommodation through council. Imagine that was the legislation. That's, that's the way to go. We have to think about it as well. Right. Like, do you know, if a young person uses drugs in school, 15 is 16, we think, oh my God, that's terrible. Poor child, what's the child? That young person then turns 17, 18, comes into Penny, then knows Katrina, comes off the cool mind to me. That's the same young person. But now they're classed as an adult and all of a sudden they're J award, they're just they're still a child. You know, yeah. They're still a, that that hurt child. They're just dating now. Last they're year, child, they're, child they're still school. the child that's hurting his yeah. age. Yeah. No, I don't care what age you are. But like we have to look at the people on the street, like they are the hurt kids that come through your school, Dan. Mm-hmm. And they they are the same people that me and Katrina have in our service. Mm-hmm. You know, what well, uh, they are, they also are. Do you know who these children also are? They're them children that you seen on the streets. 20 years ago or 15 years ago and you said God help that poor child is going through torture they're they're watching this constantly the mother and father are on drugs they're yeah. neglected that is that child yeah. that you're calling this and that and the other that's exactly what it is why not look at that human being here 15 years later that's destroyed from drug addiction has no choice to be the way they are they're like that because they're completely addicted why not look at them when they were 15 years ago when they were walking around the street in their nappy? Well, you know, because their parents are f- funding, though, James. I mean, you, you know, funding, we fund things. Their money is there. I mean, I, I'd argue this all the time. The money is there. I mean, our systems are broken. CAMS is broken. Our care system is broken. Our addiction system, we put beds for kids down in Kilkenny. That's it, like for the whole of the country. Homelessness. It's a joke. Is, is Homelessness broken. Yeah. is broken. And these kids then are to blame. So what do we do with them? We send them to Oberstown where we pay 350000 per year per child yeah. to yeah. keep the child locked up. That child is not a criminal. I mean, but why is a child in care brought to the cars because they break a window, they break a door, they break something? If we were to do that as parents, all of us here as parents, 
was to bring our children if they broke some in the house to the girls, you'd need two million Orbistones mm. up in Lochnini and foreign regions alone. You wouldn't, yeah. you know. It's just ridiculous. It's and I think yeah. why not spend the money in, 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 in helping that family? I mean, it's 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 obvious because what you do in the long term is I don't believe it's economics. You shouldn't have anything to do with economics. But even economically, if you look at it, if you can get that child right in the family right, you've a happier child, you've a more contented society, yeah, and you you're going to be paying less and you will be penalizing less. Why are we penalizing kids? For something they don't understand themselves, yeah. not a mind to say, or understanding it. No, what's something as well? Right. What's something as well? We have to think about coming down the line is like Cork City has had a good response to the Ukrainian war, mm-hmm. okay, and we're starting to take in Ukrainian people. That's a very traumatized nation. It is, and we need the services for them coming into the city. But what's what, what my fear is, and they're very welcome. We did a podcast last week with Ukrainians, um, two journalists. They write for the newspaper in Kiev. They were in Cork now. They were on holidays when they were invaded. Blah blah blah. Great podcast. It'll be out in a couple of weeks, right? But the Ukrainians coming in here, we're already strapped for resources. Mm. Now they're welcome, but my fear is increases in racism, a bit of hostility towards them because. People are competing for housing stock. People are competing for health, mental health addiction service. And now we've all this influx and are we really resourcing it? You know, that's the issue. Well, this is why we have politicians. And I suppose it's the time to remind the politicians, to remind our governments, our previous governments, Mm. that they have a job. They're being paid for to look after everybody Mm. and they're being paid for solutions to be put in place. Yeah. I think I, I was over in the Ukraine. We were over twice and we plan to go again because we know that they need a lot of stuff out there. Mm. When they're here, they'll be looked after. People will look after yeah. them. And and again, it'll, it's causing consternation amongst a huge mm. amount of people. Yeah. Like what's going to happen now? It's not the Ukrainians that we should no. be on about. No, no, it's no. the politicians. Exactly. And we should be saying to them, like somebody needs to lead the pack, you know, get it up there and not be afraid and risk. Like a politician, sometimes I get the impression politicians are afraid of saying something that's kind of risky, you know, and and taking the lead and say, no, this is what we should have mm. and I'm going to fight for it, you know, for the people because it's yeah. my you job. You see, the thing, the I thing about, I'd agree with you 100%, mm. 100%. Like as a city and a county, I was on um, <clears throat> our community task force meeting today um, we're sitting on about 1,500 uh, Ukrainian nationals in the city and county at the moment. You've all seen the scenes that are going to be over the 6-1 news and the 5-30 news today are probably, they're, they're gone at this stage, um, of the centre below and Mill Street. That's that's no way uh, to have people inside in the Green Glens Arena, effectively a camp. It's, yeah. it's direct provision. It's direct yeah, provision. You know? It's yeah. direct provision. I think, uh, personally, and as a politician, I would agree with you 100%. And other politicians may not dis- may disagree with me, but I've spoken with colleagues up and down the length and breadth of the country. Um, and I think now, in relation to the stresses we're experiencing as a society from our own housing needs, mm. and then when you add in the estimated amount of people we will take in from Ukraine, it's possibly going to be in the tune of the same population as Cork City itself. Uh, so about 250,000. Mm. I think now, <clears throat> with money at, a, at an all-time low, uh, on international markets that we as a government need to borrow heavily yeah. and build relaxed planning laws 
fast track uh, planning applications, mm-hmm. fast track the building of, of houses. Don touched on it a minute ago in relation to uh, corporations or councils building social houses, uh, as we've done uh, many years ago. I would have a slight disagreement with you, but we won't follow it over it now. But I think, uh, you know, but we, we because what's happened, relying on the private sector has proved he's right. That system doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. But we do need to, to fast track everything. Do you think we can um, get it done? I would be hoping that the pressure coming on or us as a nation now with, you know, just clearing COVID, coming in with the Ukrainian crisis um, and our own housing needs, that uh, it, it's effectively will be the perfect storm for civic authorities to get the finger out yeah. and start the ball but, rolling but you see, on this. Colm, I think, I think again, right, this, okay, I'm for, and, and I was in Ukraine as well, and what yeah. brought me there was the women and the children. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, like, but, you know, people said to me that Putin is a, I'm left-wing Putin is a, no, you're dealing with two fascists, but that doesn't matter. What matters is you've kids and you've women who are suffering. You've kids that should never see the things they're after seeing. And you've women, unfortunately, as in all wars, who are going to be sexually assaulted, yeah. raped. Yeah. They're coming in here. We, we, we don't have the mental health facilities to deal with. Whereas we've asked people for houses and people rose to the occasion and said to bring them in. That's grand for weeks. Mm. But if you have a child upstairs crying in the night because they saw their father being killed or they saw the mm. men around them or they saw bodies in the ground, how long can you keep that up? And I, I think, <coughs> I mean, I, I have another question on this, right? I mean, there's a bit of hypocrisy in all of this because, <coughs> and I know Katrina would have done the same, when the other emergencies came on in Syria, in Afghanistan, and in Iran, Kurdistan, we supported um, th- th- those areas with, with, with aid going out. We, we did a boat through a Muslim charity. And then people said to me, well, where are you going out there if you don't? I'm going out there for women and kids, and I would do that every day of the week. I mean, what I saw was women who were pregnant that could be moved or moved. Women who were pregnant and had other medical conditions could not be moved. And kids who could not be moved for the medical were in bunkers. No electricity, no water. Now, that meant even sheets were disposable. Think about it. Think about any of us or our wives or, you know, Catherine, you know, probably birth most, giving birth to a baby in the dark. You know, it, it, it defies yeah. what, what we understand. But this happened in Syria. The same guy that's doing it now in, 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 um, in the Ukraine, the Russians, did exactly the same to Syrian hospitals. He's uh, a war criminal now. He wasn't a war criminal back then. Mm. Now, the other thing we Irish have to look at, right? 120,000 is too much. I, mean, I, don't think, I don't think that's ever going to be here because I don't think we can take them. I mean, where are you going to put them? We're, we're even going to run the, Glen, Glen, the, the, the lakes of arenas and stuff like that. I mean, we couldn't take 3,000 Syrians, which is what we agreed to take. And we now take 120,000 Ukrainians. I mean, to me, that shows something that disappoints me as a very proud Irish plan. And there's a racism involved there, and it's inherent because I think the reason it's easier to take Ukrainians is they're white. Mm, now, yeah. that, that is the case. Well, they can walk down the streets, we won't know, but we will see Syrians mm-hmm. and we will see others. And I think, I think uh, as a country, we've always given, and I think we should, we should do that. We should have, because <laughs> if every Irish person that claims to be Irish around the world was to come back in, We'd have millions. We are one of the biggest contributors to immigration mm, that's right. right around the world. So we should do. We should stand with people. But, but 
Well, we're a very Don't make them worse than we're what very, we were. We're a very but tolerant people. We're we're here in yeah. Cork, yeah. in the yeah. dinners, we, we have people, like people would say to us, like, you know, and one question that comes up a lot, if I have to go someplace to give a talk, have you much foreigners? Mm. I say, yeah, they're brilliant volunteers. <laughs> they're, they're outstanding. Yep. Right, and then they look at me, they're actually volunteers. Yeah. I said, yeah, like our chef at the minute is French, and we have another guy at the weekend, he's Polish. We have an Afghani chef, you, you know, from all over. And we're the same but that doesn't matter well. because they're just good people. Yeah. Yeah. People are people. Yeah. You know? people, are people. People, people are people. people. Yeah. But a lot of people seem to, you know, like ask that question. And I would love to... To, I, I do respond by saying, oh, yeah, they're fantastic volunteers altogether. I overlook and try to overlook to them that they've asked me the question, like, are, is there people coming to eat like that are from different countries? Yeah. You know, but Can, I don't answer yeah. a yes, because if I do, I'm afraid of what's going to come next. Come next and I'm yeah. afraid of what I'm going to have to I'd, say. I agree with Don, like in what you're saying in relation to how Putin has been treated as a, a war criminal now in comparison yeah. to in Syria. Mm-hmm. They're de- and that's not just an Irish issue. That's Western world. Western, that's the Western you know, Western. It, yeah, and there it. is a race well, element behind it. Yeah, you know, there is. And it's Let's bring back wrong. a small bit there, right? We're, we're all sitting, we're all Irish, we're all Cork people here, okay? Okay. We've had a housing crisis in this country for a long time now, yeah. okay? Yeah. And all of a sudden, right, we, we have a lot of Ukrainians coming into the country, okay? We have homeless Irish people. Let's this is the elephant in the room now nobody's talking about. In hopes. Okay? In hopes. We have homeless Irish people in this country for a long, long time. The Irish government have changed the, changed the laws around taxes for landlords to house Ukrainian families. Okay. We have Irish families living in hotels. I'm not taking any side. I'm just addressing something that nobody else is talking about here. Right. We have Irish families living in B&Bs, in hotels. Right, for a long, long time, and the Irish government knows that. Mm. Why hasn't, why, one more, I'm not finished. Why hasn't, why hasn't that been addressed? Why haven't the laws been changed for these people? Because there's, the money was still going to be the same. I, I don't understand. It's, it's, I can see this happening. If we're going to take in a lot more Ukrainian families, which is absolutely great, it's the human thing to do. I think it's, it's right. But, we have to change the laws for our own people as exactly. well. Exactly. I'd agree with and, you. And it yeah. has to be done immediately before exactly. things Let's, start I, to fester. When I say our own people, I you mean know? everybody. everybody. Right. Remember exactly. Remember Look how, at the people that have been that have been displaced now on our own homeless but I'll give you, that were in hotels I'll give you, and being I'll give you, I'll I'll give you an example of what, what I saw in Poland, right? So we had to take a, an Airbnb. We, we, the, we were supposed to meet people over in the Ukraine. There's a... There's a curfew. They weren't going to make it back in the curfew. So we had to take an Airbnb. And not half the half a mountain. And we got up there and we got into a log cabin. Five of us. With enough bedrooms for us. With a shower. With everything in it. And I looked at that in the morning. I said, this is absolutely fabulous. We couldn't build them here. Our planning law would not give us permission to build these. I and think, it's a disgrace. 25, 35,000. Right. And, and that will have to change. Have to change. That, that have will to change have to change well. immediately for for houses to be developed. Planning laws, rezoning, the, the Cork City Council are going to have to look at it immediately and rezone agricultural land and start building houses and apartment blocks and whatever needs to be done. Let's for Irish people, Ukrainian people, whoever. That, what well, matter, let's what, look, what let's, there's another elephant in the room that we haven't addressed. And I think, you know, when, when I think in column, I don't, I don't know what your opinion is. Like a zoo here, we're all yeah, elephants, Dad. There is, but there is so many, right? <laughs> and, and I think you'll get this. We, we have never addressed the situation of traveller housing. 
Mm. We don't. It's never been addressed. We try to assimilate them. We're not giving them any background knowledge. And we're still in a situation where we haven't addressed it. And, and that's true of every council. And I'm, I'm not blaming you, know, because when I'm in the council, we still the same. We haven't spent the money here. Right. And a lot of that is done to NIMBY. Yeah. Let me add one thing to what Timmy said, and then I'll let you come in, uh, Colin. But um, what yes, Timmy makes... Media, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is great. But um, I just wanted to say, like... Ukrainians are welcome and so are the Syrians and you know that this is what we need to do and yes. I'm very proud that Cork City will you know take in these people will. but my my worry and my fear is that if you're in a council house and you know there's eight people living in a tree bed and the kids are sick and they're on waiting lists and the children are on spectrums and they can't get seen then a Ukrainian family comes in and they get what is perceived to be preferential treatment is that you're just going to create conflict because the people that have the money are so far removed from the communities that it's very hard to look up and it's easier then for people in council houses and waiting as refugees to just fight amongst each other for the, the scraps so that's my fear is that they will all be kind of fighting for scraps and the people at the top are so are very far removed from it. You know? But I'll let you come in. No, look, I, I, yeah. I obviously have listened to all the different viewpoints there yeah. and, you know, as, as Dan said, Dan was on the council, we, we had an issue with, you know, traveller accommodation, we had issues with homelessness, but just to come back to, and it's, it's no different today, Dan, as well, you know, um, uh, you know, um, but best laid plans of mice and men in relation to what you're touching mm. on there in relation to our planning laws, they do need to be um, completely reevaluated. Okay. Um, there may be, you know, a misconception and it may be disingenuous, not disingenuous of myself not to correct it. <coughs> um, the Ukrainian nationals that will be coming into the country will not be considered for social housing stock in any of, any the, of, any of the local authorities in the country. We have our own housing problem. We can't now dilute that by adding more people into the system. Yeah. What we're going to do with, the, with, with Ukrainian nationals and the migrants coming in is a whole different quagmire to what we need to do for our own housing. But I do believe there's an opportunity there because if we need to house all these Ukrainians in, in mass accommodation shelters like the Green Glens Arena, which I would equate to effectively a, a labour camp, because yeah. that's what it's like, um, which is no dignity for any of them. Um, and we do have our, our housing list. Now, in fairness, and I'm not being political here, housing lists are coming down all over the country, but they're coming down far, far, far too slowly. So they're going the right direction, but they're not coming the right direction quick enough. And I did speak with a colleague up the country and he said, if we could fast, fast track planning, look at the cabin that you mentioned, these prefabricated houses um, um, that are retrofitted offsite, land on the back of a lorry, yeah. onto a site with services, in rezoned land, as you said, now we're currently in the part of our development plan because yeah. it's funny enough, we're, we've rezoned. Um, there's going to be like between Docklands and Ballancolleg and all around the city. Like we have rezoned lands for an additional six thousand units. I'll take on the construction so contract. Well, no matter, no matter. <laughs> you can send a tender to the you're just see you in the morning. You're not supposed to say that on camera, Timmy. <laughs> but no, no, no. I, I agree with you, Timmy. Yeah. That the system we have is broken. The planning needs to be fast tracked. The zoning needs to be fast tracked. The VAT from a builder's point of view, needs to be waived to incentivize builders to build quick enough because yeah. there's another zoo elephant in the zoo here to me and that's inflation. Mm. So we know of a perfect storm. We have mass influx of uh, a migrant population. We have a problem ourselves. We have builders that are in fixed price contracts um, and are ringing uh, local authorities to lend the bread of the country and say, I'll finish this development for you, but I can't, can't it's going to break me and I won't be able to tender for the next development. Yeah. Yeah. So what will happen is we'll have, we'll, have, we'll have companies go to the wall 
So we need to look, and the government needs to look at it in deeper, and the Department of Local Housing needs to look at it. And I've spoken with my colleagues in government on this, and they are actively looking at it, and cross-party support on it as well. We need to look at financing a brand new package to tie every local authority into the country, sing from the same hymn sheet, get, uh, we have the Land uh, Development Agency now, which is something of a, a mass version of what we had as a local authority when we built houses as a local authority, and they're going to do that across the country. But that's all great on paper, but that's where it is at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be faster. Need to be Someone action, needs yeah. to light a needs fire under our arse. Exactly, yeah, and, and we, we have a lot of issues that need yeah. to be addressed because we have the hospital issues, we have the trolleys, people, mm. and that's going on for years and years as well. Every problem we have came before any crisis, I suppose, mm. that's mm. happening, especially the Ukrainian one at yeah. the minute. So therefore, we can't lay that blame mm. at the people who are unfortunate enough to find themselves the victims mm. of war. No, mm. that blame has to be laid solely up in Dublin, mm. up at the Doyle, and they have to be told, you know, get mm. pull Katrina, their finger out. Katrina, remember when the pandemic hit? Do you remember when we said we couldn't do this and we couldn't do that? Look how quick we could do things when we but, needed but, to. But, but, exactly. Look, and, look, and, and, look, and, look and, at the Chinese. Yeah. Look what the Chinese done uh, do in know, the hospital. And, and I think that's the maddening thing. To build a hospital in four days. Exactly. I spoke, I spoke with an executive of Cork City Council um, yeah. and um, we're twinned with Shanghai yeah. in China as a city. And there was a, a group from China over and they were just talking to our executives and they were being brought around the city and it was great, right? But the group that were over were planning executives from China and they were, oh, what's your planning laws now if you want to build, let's say, this or that? Well, you have to go up to this and then you have a part eight and then it can get a judicial review and then it can go before the Supreme Court and then if that doesn't, you know, just blah, blah, blah. And he goes, what do you do? And the Chinese fellow turned around and he goes, we just do it. So, exactly. I'm not saying we should approach that, that's communism, but, but I'm saying like we need, but, there's too much bureaucracy in our system. But at yeah. the moment, like you have to look at, at how to solve the problems we have with all these different issues with housing and and these are and these but, are the, 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 this is how you solve it. And, and there's a bigger are, problem. And, and there's a bigger problem with this. I suppose we Go should on. bring out as well is, for example, take the hospitals. Like if you're running a business and if you manage it badly, it's going to go down the Swanee Lake, and therefore there's. You know, the, the, the hospitals are managed. Everything we have in this city is managed. Like, and if it's been managed, but, if yeah. it's not been managed, right, it's going to go down. And therefore, we should look at management and like, just say, you know, come on, like, let's do this. Like, let's get like, the services up to 100% and have them rolled out. And, like, we know people that are dying. We know people that are suffering. We know people that are hungry. Like, people come to us. Do you think anybody wants to come to Benny Dinners? Well, you see, the HSC, sure there's too much bureaucracy in the HSC. There is, but and I've no problem in saying that. But, but there is we'll go back to the regionalised health boards the way it was and that's what's been looked at. But yeah. the reason the HSE doesn't work and I'll be on direct, I have no problem saying this, there's too much bureaucracy at the top. At the top. Not the people working but, down there. Exactly. Yeah. But, but Colum, the yes. It's the same you can all see over. It. The people doing yeah. the jobs down. aren't yeah. getting enough support and they need to they need to be able to come out and say, but, this, but before, we're doing a job here and it's not working before and, there and is. can we change it, you know, and stuff. They're not listening to it. So you have the people on top who are so far removed from the but, but I don't think they're removed. They don't I don't they're think they're, they're removed themselves. They removed. They removed themselves. But I like they all come from local areas, right? But I think they're they somehow put a shield around when they went to this house. But, but my issue here on this is, we're going to have a perfect storm because we're now expecting tourism to pick up. If tourism is picking up, all the people we have in direct provision in hotels will need new beds. They're all going to be thrown out. It's happening already. We're going to look at the B and B strong and then someone tell me how we can we 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 can't build houses for people, right? But we can build apartments 
for foreign students that aren't here yet. And if you want to look at that, go over and look where the conference centre is supposed to be, if that ever comes. They, 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 the apartments are all went away. They're aimed at foreign students. They're not for local students because you wouldn't be able to afford it. But have we used them for the people that are that are uh, a home? No. No, because they want them clear for next year when UCC starts up and, and, and MTU starts up again. Um, we've, we've thousands, we've built, we've cranes all over the place. Yeah. But if you look at where the cranes are, they're for student accommodation. Mm-hmm. You have the lock, you have down here, you yeah. have other places. And I think we, we do need to address the situation. You know, you've touched on something we, very good there, Dan. The developers. The developers are the ones that have this blocked and they have it blocked because they have a cartel. I, I, I don't care. I'll say it. There are four major builders. If you've a, if you're a carpenter or a plumber or a painter and you want a job in any of these uh, apartments, you have to declare yourself a company um, and, and then they leave you. And, and if things go wrong, it's you lose out. And that's what they're doing. I mean, there's no, there's no such thing now as a builder, a big builder, employing tradesmen. <laughs> he, he brings people in as companies. No, that's rubbish. It is pure rubbish because the delays then are blamed all around. I mean, in other words, you talk about Shanghai. If you have a builder in Shanghai that decides he's building a maternity hospital or he's building a children's hospital in Dublin, and he goes, what? Uh, how many millions over, over the thing? They'll be saying, you're not finished. You're not getting paid that. You were given the time to finish, you finish it. But we seem to pay people if they take extra time. We pay them extra. And I mean, how much, how much did millions... Is that not the Irish way, though? No, it's the wrong way. It's, it's, it has to change. change. But you've had to understand something. You've, you've hit the nail on the head there in relation to one thing, and that's, you know, like the student accommodation that would be going up in the city, right? And they're aimed at foreign students, as you said, right? Because foreign students that are coming in here, let's face it, the majority of them would be from well-to-do families yeah. coming in. That's the way foreign students is around the world, right? Yeah. So it is cost-effective when these large developers are going to their funding apparatuses and they say, listen, I want to do this as a student thing and away you go. Um, but when you look at any of our native developers here in the city um, who want to build apartments, particularly social apartments, that's not stacking up at the moment because the money that's on the table from government for social, let's say, social apartments, inflation has exceeded by about 30%. So now the developer, as I said earlier, who's stuck in a fixed price contract will say, I'm going to finish this, but there's no way I can build the last 30, the next 30 houses for the same price as the last 30 houses. And that's, therein lies the problem. You have funding, uh, you have funding issues. That needs to be looked at and, yeah. and is being looked at. But at the moment, it is not cost effective to build apartments in the city. That's why there's, you see cranes. It's a lot of offices, a yeah, lot of offices. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to bring it back a small but own change tack because we've covered a lot around drug issues, homelessness, Ukrainians and all that. If we go down the education route and, and that stuff, we'd be here for the night. But it was, it's been great talking with you and a great discussion it's great that we can use our platform to highlight issues for people that don't have the voice you know so thanks for engaging it i want to ask you all one question each and you can give me a short answer i just want to get one role model that you have or had that got you into what you're doing today because everybody's doing great work so i'll start with lord mayor like one role model that you looked up to or still look up to and one hope for the future for what you want to achieve or the city to achieve. As I've said this to you before, it's my grandmother, and that's yeah. been personal, you know. Um, and I miss her every day, every single day I do, um, you know. And I think she's 
looking down at me and would be would be proud of me. And as I said in my speech as election as Lord Mayor, a very 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 bitter pill for me to swallow the fact that she wasn't there. But I look at the good times and she was my role model. Um and I suppose she would say, you know, if you fall, pick yourself up and keep going. And if I look around the city um, as a whole of us society, I'd like to apply that logic. If we fall, we pick ourselves up and we keep going and we give each other support. And like, as you said here, you know, seven, eight years ago, you overdosed, you almost overdosed yeah. up, up by Don's. Yeah. I know you're sitting in the people's sitting room. Yeah. Anything is possible. But if we work together, yeah. and I do believe whenever we're going to all agree, if we all agreed with each other, wouldn't that be a very boring place? Exactly. So, but know, listen, she'd be super proud of you because you're 36 years of age, you're law mayor of your city, yep. you're giving advice to people that don't have the voice that maybe other politicians would, wouldn't touch with a barge, Paul. So, like, you're you stand for something, you know, and she'd be immensely proud of you. So, thanks, thanks again for having us. No, thank you very much. And, um, I know you've uh, I won't, I won't let it slip now, but you've a big night tomorrow night. So, we're on the Lately Show, yeah. <laughs> and we have our uh, Cork City uh, badge for the for right <laughs> but uh, go, go up and show those Jackie's old stuff. Oh, huh? will, yeah, we will, yeah. <laughs> Dan, uh, role model a few maybe growing up as somebody that you looked up to. Uh, well, well, I tell you there's a few. I suppose politically it would be James Connolly. Loved that man, loved reading everything about him and who he was and what he was and what he contributed. And my parents. But I think the last 16 years, it has been the young people I've had the pleasure and the honour to work with. They are the ones that I looked at. And, and you know, the young people, I, I'd like to say maybe because I know you won't come back, you know, What's happened here, I think anyone, what we were saying here amongst all of us here is for the betterment of this city and the country as a whole, but for the city. And I'm hugely proud of what the city has done. Um, you know, we have a city, a sanctuary. Um, we're, we're still doing that. And I, I'm hugely proud of that and I'm always going to be proud. Do I want more? Bloody sure I do. For, for, for the people right across the city. But the kids are, are I suppose, the ones that... That get me up in the morning, um, and they show me the way. If you're if you're down, the kids will take you. Brilliant, brilliant. About yourself, Katrina. Well, for me uh, personally, it would have been my grandmother as well. Mine and we were we just had a special relationship from I think day one. And um, as much as I love my mum and dad, you know, my grandmother lived with us, and she was kind of the head of the family really. And um, uh, I just love. The, the things that she when when I was very little I was very small and you know those things they, they live inside the shell the snails you know we used to call them Tom Tyvees and you'd sing Tom Tyvee Tom Tyvee come up, you know but I stood in one one time when I was very young and she went on to introduce me to his mother and his father and his grandparents and his brothers and his sisters and <laughs> and all his neighbours and the whole lot and it, it, it taught me something very young like don't hurt anybody yeah, you know really. and so yeah. I carry that with me you know always thinking I always think of that and that thing goes round in my head so it, it prevents me from probably being a, a bit cross you know then because uh, I'm not cross as you know mm. like I'm very soft but and um, here in the city uh, my all-time hero is yeah. Mary Crilly you know yeah. she's just an amazing oh, yeah. woman she has done so much for women and for men for young girls and young boys need somebody like yeah. Mary Curley to fight their corner for them with them and be with them every step of the way and just to help them 
on their road to healing as well. And yeah. she's a powerhouse. She's, she's only that size, like, but yeah. she's a powerhouse mm-hmm. of a woman. And I don't yeah. think nobody will ever understand really. And I know her a very, very long time. <laughs> and like the, the impact that she's made on so many lives. But I suppose if we're talking about modern day heroes, like when I look at yourselves, you know, Thank it you. always brings the biggest smile if ever Thank to you. my face, like, you know, and, you know, to me, you know, that the, your two brothers, you know, and I, I see all, all them in action and all the people in the recovery group and the ladies recovery group. And just to see them smile and to be happy and they're all dolled up and they're all gone out and I said, mother, God, the style. Like, but it's so wonderful that there's a sense of this goodness and, and this camaraderie. But that would have been possible for only other. for yourself. For, no, for, I, I, for I think them in the room, for getting them everything that they needed, you know. So, like, there's a lot of credit due to yourself for that. Yeah, and then when I look around the room here, you know, like when I was in addiction, Katrina fed me, you know, when I was uh, got out of the treatment centre, and I'd no CV, Dan gave me placement to get a couple of years work experience under my belt. And when we started out in the podcast yeah. column, you know, give us the leg up and give us credibility yeah. by coming on. He came up to Churchfield Green with the chain, plenty of time for the kids and the neighbours, yeah. and yeah. it gave us a bit of credibility around the echo. It's like, you know, I'm at the something about the Tony Ali's podcast. So I look up there, I look up to Timmy, I look uh, up to Ron for his dedication to the podcast and you know, his flexibility. And everybody just involved in the background. And, <laughs> and everybody in the background. Yeah. Grace, oh, the, 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 Sandra, Idel, yeah. Claire, like they're all. Our wives, people who, the people yeah. who donate to us on Patreon, Cork City Council have yeah. given us a few good few grand over the last couple of years that pays for the cameras the mics were holding so it's been a collective mm. and community effort yeah. and i'm proud to be part of it can with I, all of you can, I just say, can i come in there on that um obviously i had the honor and privilege of presenting uh, don with a, a civic award lord mayor civic award the first lord mayor civic award to be given presented outside of city hall um no better book no better book yeah. um i was informed that life center was actually the residence of the lord mayor of cork am i correct Dan? It was given up uh, during the last pandemic, the previous For, pandemic. First, first Lord Mayor of Cork, uh, Daniel Hickory. Hickory. It was mayor's before. Yeah. So, he, so he lived there. But the work that Don has done in our city for education and, you know, for, for, for disadvantaged children. And I know I, I've, I, I've honoured you, but I just want to reiterate our thanks as a, as a city for the work you do for our youth, our disadvantaged youth. Um, you're, you're a real, you know, hero of our city, Don. I've no, you know, our, our politics may be different, but, you know, but you are, you are a real hero of our city. And then when we come to Katrina, I, I'd equate you to Florence Nightingale. Mm. To be quite honest with you, um, and I want to thank you for all you do for our city. And I know you've got the person of the year, but um, I want to uh, announce on the Two Norries podcast that um, there will be a ceremony in City Hall, and I've selected you to receive one of my Lord Mayor's Civic Awards. Oh, thank Brilliant. you. So Brilliant, beautiful. Beautiful. Do you know what's very funny you said that because I put this on today because I knew it wouldn't get home to change and they said is someone giving you an award and I said no yeah. <laughs> and they said no she knew oh, you yeah. just a little thank you oh, yes. thank and well done well deserved yeah and you are our city's fans like and, yeah. and yeah. good company like yeah. good company yeah. now. that's a great way to finish the podcast unbelievable yeah unbelievable
Thanks you, everybody. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Thanks very much. Yeah. Thank you. Not about our until late late show. No, by now. And I months. guess this this night will go down in history. History was made here lots of times, mm. and I hope tonight, like that, this will be yeah. be seen as a historical move on our part. Exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope this Thanks. is the first of many hundreds, and that you keep going because yeah. you're yeah. an inspiration yeah. to people. Oh, yeah. And, and really yeah. to all of us. So have to give a shout out to Finney as well, who's been here all day. Yeah. yeah. I'm back. yeah. I'm back. And Donald. And Donald. We will be, be you know, Donald. Hi, Darren. From Bar, you look as proud as the portrait of Michael yeah. Collins behind you. Not a bottle, chat. De Valera's looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we were saying he'd make a great Lord Mayor because look at yeah. all the experience he has yeah. under his belt, you know. Did, did, yeah. he, got, he got a gift in Hall and as mm. a, a cup in uh, the real Lord Mayor. Yeah. Oh, well. Not a bottle. Oh, kids think he's too old. Yeah. Yeah. Four for You hold it here first. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. I'm Thank you. Until 100 man. God bless. Thanks, lads. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you.